This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Welcome to Pet Chat. It's 11 past 12 and today we have Dr. Bob with us. Hello, Dr. Bob, and what's your special subject? Special subject today is pet parenting principles. So we're going to talk about respect, observation and relationship time. Mm, and Rot. Oh, <laughs> and Danny Boss is with us as well. Hello, Danny. Hi, Jane. We'll be talking today about grooming your pet during winter because it is a bit cold, maybe to give them a shower. So what other things can you do to make sure they don't stink? <laughs> Very important. Uh, and talking to Mike, Mike Fidler, who is a um, co-founding member of the Save the Goulian Fund. That interesting topic there. Pet chat and, of course, your calls. We will ask you to ring in if you've got a question you'd like to put to our pet vet today, Dr. Bob, from 12.30 on 2NURFM 103.7 and, of course, the number 49216216. And today our pet vet, Dr. Bob, is with us and number to ring, of course, is 49216216 and uh, we have Gloria on the phone and she's rung in with a question. Hello, Gloria. Um, I've got a five and a half month old cavoodle whose um, uh, fur is about four inches long and we were going to take her to be groomed. We're just about to go up Queensland in a couple of days' time. Um, is this okay, um, considering it's really cold or what? The important thing, Gloria, is to make sure that... Um, the animal is uh, reasonably warm, but we're also sort of, because we've had a relatively warm and wet winter, ticks are a major issue. So if you've only got a young dog, this is it's coming up to its first tick season. A short coat is much better so you can find those ticks and pull them straight out. Going up to Queensland depends on what uh, where you are up there, whether you're going on the coast or whether there's any ticks there. Um, just every single day, go right over nose to tail, um, with your fingers and just making sure you can't find any mumps or lumps. If the coat is trimmed short, you've got a much better chance of finding that. Yeah. It's just so long. It's a, it's grown so much in, you know, as I say, she's only five and a half months. So it must be four inches long. Is this normal for a cavoodle to have such long... Um, it really, de really depends on their genetic background. So yesterday I actually vaccinated two Cocker Spaniels. They were from different um, breeders, but one had very thick fur and the feet were just like um, Ugg boots, basically. And the other... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other other dog was sort of quite fine and was okay, whereas yeah. each animal is just so different. Some of them are very fine fur, gets very knotted, and that's where you get irritability and behaviour problems and soiling around the rear end and stuff. So yeah. my personal preference in short hair, and, and that's why I guess when I first moved to Newcastle, people thought I was in the RAF. So <laughs> it's up to you, but it won't affect the animal. That's probably a good idea. So that'd be a good idea. All right. Okay, thank you so much for your help. Thanks. Gloria. And we do have another caller. It's Pat, and she's from Edgeworth, and uh, we're thinking birds at this stage, Dr. Bob. Hello, Pat. Can you give us your question? Hello. Um, yes, um, my little budgie got sick on Sunday, and uh, she was shaking, shivering, spreading her wings out and, and her legs, and just panting really bad. And then um, after that, she sort of the next day she's had diarrhoea and she's got the diarrhoea and like a vomity she keeps wanting to bring up everything she tries to eat since then. How old so, is she, Pat? Um, we've had her 
Yeah, she'd be about one and a half years old, nearly two years. And no other budgies in the house? No, no, she's the only pet we've got. Do you put her outside where she contacts other birds or is she mainly no. inside? No, and I wash her cage, I take her outside, but I stay with her at all times and I bring her back in. And you've, um, you've had her ever since she was little? Yeah. Um, we thought it was a boy when we bought her, but <laughs> it turned out to be a girl. <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes we all have issues with that. Um, <laughs> so with the, you haven't sprayed anything strange around the house? No carpet washing or no. Um, no. repellents or the air conditioner or the fire hasn't been on? You haven't been work, using any unusual wood in the fire? No, no, no. The fire's in the lounge room and she's out in the back room. Okay. Sometimes we can certainly have some aerosol type things. So budgies are very susceptible I've to... i gas heater, but um, I turn that on sometimes in the morning, but I don't think that would affect her. I guess with all the kids in schools, they're finding out that there are some asthmatic pro- type problems with gas heaters. So um, they would be some of the possibilities I'll be thinking about if she's been really healthy. It's only just suddenly happened. Very unlikely for birds to get people viruses, but they can sometimes get a, a bacteria uh, that we might have. But um, if there's no other signs um, externally... She's yeah, she's all fluffed up at the moment. Not yeah. I've kept a warm cover over it to, yes. uh, and just letting the daylight in and the sun pour in the back room for her. Good. But uh, she's all fluffed up and she'd, she wants to sleep a lot and then she'll go down and try and have a bit of grit and then a bit of food and water. Yep. And then she'll go back up the top and she'll be sick. Yeah, doesn't sound very good. I'd be um, taking her down to your local vet if you can because birds have a very high metabolic rate. So when they do get sick, they burn up their muscle and fat and reserves very quickly. Um, and so we need to get onto them um, quite quickly. The warmth is really important. Sometimes just a hot water bottle in a shoebox or something just to, so they can be near the hot water bottle if they want to. Um, but yeah, certainly sounds like it. Um, she needs a trip to the vet so they can check out what's going on. Thanks, Pat. To NURFM 103.7, this is Pet Chat. And pet parenting principles are Dr Bob's subject this morning, this afternoon it is, and tell us more. I think basically it's very, um, it's why I call it parenting is really, because that's what it's all about when we've got a pet, whether it be a budgie or a cat or a dog, even a fish, because fish are intelligent, but I won't get distracted. Um, parenting is, is really what we're doing. So a lot of people talk about that you have to get the dog to obey commands and, and it has to do this and it has to do that. Well, really parenting is about um, encouraging um, our kids. So it's the same with animals. I actually heard a, a very good analogy the other day about uh, for the first year or two, we're sort of like nursemaids to our children. And then we're more like policemen until they're the age of 10, where they can sort of make intelligent decisions. And then after that, we're more like a coach. So that was really good, but try not to take his head off when you pass the ball. And um, then with my kids' age, sort of late teens, early 20s, we're more a consultant. So they might take that advice or they might not. So it's very similar with animals. Really, we think they're in that one to two-year-old category where we are responsible for what they do. We need to supervise them and we have to look after them. So that's where these three um, points come in, respect. We need to understand that this is a dog and this is how it behaves. This is a cat and this is how it behaves. We are its servant and that's how we learn stuff um, from them. Um, And um, understanding that and respecting that helps us to be able to work with them better. 
observation of animals is the second one and that's really where we learn so much so like parenting where you're looking at the kids seeing how they are when they get off the bus and seeing whether they're coping with homework and all that sort of thing the more we observe our animals the more we will see so much better than watching telly of course not as good as listening to to NURFM but it is um, yeah we need to observe those animals and see what's happening and I guess that's how we learn from them too. And the the last principle, time. And that's really relationship time like any parent. If you want to understand your child and you want them to understand you, then you need to spend time with them. And it's really about a mentoring process. So with dogs and cats, if you leave them out in the backyard and you don't really see them apart from feeding, how do you understand them? How do you work with them? How do you um, direct them in the ways you'd like them to go? So with dogs, it's a bit of play. Um, cats love to be stroked so long massage grooming strokes and little bits of games so hiding food little bits of play with um, objects and toys the more you spend that time the more you'll understand the animal the more you will respect it the more it will respect you and it just helps um, yeah, that whole parenting process to work Now you were talking about the analogy with children yes. um, if we're applying that to pets do we take the general, um, generally accepted maximum of uh, seven years for one pet year to, as compared with one year of a child? Oh, that? something like that. It is very close. Really, pets, the average dog and cat, um, they're socially mature around the age of two to three years. So as with MRI studies in people, they don't mature until the age of 25, apparently. So that's why we give them their license at 16. But anyway, that's another story as well. So really, it's um, working them through those developmental life stage changes at each six months of age. They will be a bit pushy. So at a year, at 18 months, you know, they sort of go through those teenage type years, not that they go out and graffiti things. Well, I guess they do with their um, wee and poo. But anyway, again, we won't touch on that one too much. Um, but really, um, parenting is about understanding as they go through those stages, as with me, sort of just over 50, then, you know, dementia's certainly set in and, and I'm raising my children so they'll be able to select a nice nursing home for me. <laughs> Discernment is That's part it. of the training. <laughs> so most of your parenting for your pet would need to be completed by two to three years of age. Uh, people say to me, can they teach an old dog new tricks? And I say, yes, it just takes a bit longer. And so really, again, it's, um, it's why it's so difficult being a step-parent that you come in at, in the middle stage... In, in, with children and with animals if you get a, a rescue or rehomed animal you're coming in that middle stage and that's where those three principles of respect and observation and time just come into their own you can't you know just jump in there and expect things to be you know perfect first time you have to spend the time you're listening to pet chat on 2NURFM 103.7 and uh, Danny Boss You've yes. got something for us. Oh, I've got something but for grooming. For grooming sounds Winter fantastic. Grooming. But just before we get on to that, yes. let me remind you of the number to ring, 49216216, if you've got a question you'd like to put to Dr. Bob. It doesn't have to be about parenting your pet. It can be about anything to do with your pet, 49216216. Back to grooming. Well, we had Gloria phone up a little bit earlier, and she mentioned she wasn't sure whether to take the dog to the grooming parlour because of the fact that it's winter and it could be cold. Now, the professional grooming parlours will wash 
your pets with nice warm water and then they'll towel dry them and use a, a blow dryer to dry them. So really it is it is quite a comfortable experience. Lots of pampering happens in those uh, parlours and uh, it's, it's certainly worthwhile. But if you don't have the time or you don't want to do that, there is a very simple alternative that you can use at home and that's some pet wipes that they are available. They are come in a few different brands, a few different types. Um, some are called uh, pet bath wipes. There's one I've got here, wolf wipes. And it's just using this wet wipe, take it out of the packaging and wipe the coat down of the dog. Always starting from around the eyes first because you've got your, uh, your clean wipe around the eyes, around the head and work your way through and that'll help get rid of because a lot of these have special ingredients in them to help get rid of the odors that are caused by the bacteria that lives in the, in the skin and in the coat um, the oils as well take off the oils and you can either wipe them down with that and then maybe even if it's a long-haired dog give them a comb through very easy so pet wipes a wonderful invention for pets <laughs> i think that's amazing um it's sort of like the tick twister have you seen those little ones and they're yes. really just the claw of a hammer yes if only i'd thought of that 30 years ago <laughs> it's just so simple they've been around about what five years or something they have but they work well oh they're brilliant and yeah. it's just something so simple so wolf wipes i think that's just lovely <laughs> now wolf wipes uh, are they likely to be gentle enough for animals with sensitive skins they are this one that i've got here says contains vitamin a e lanolin and aloe vera really good. There's another brand that I've got here, which is uh, the people that make the urine off, if you remember Jane, we've had that featured on the show and that one comes with certain enzymes that break down the odour and bacteria that causes the smell on your dog. So there are a few different varieties by all means. Try one, try the other, see which one works best on your pet. Which I, one smells best? <laughs> I think it really is that each animal does smell differently you'll have some that have skin problems that certainly that can be a bit of an issue and that's why you get that aroma even sometimes particular animals and it's fascinating down at the dog parks and things watching say a particular and I'm thinking of a Labrador that I know that all the other dogs just all want to sort of jump on top of it and beat it up and and just you know it just smells really must be interesting to them <laughs> and it's something as people we just don't connect with that no. their sense of smell is 10,000 times better than ours so it's just amazing what they can pick up on we don't get it do we no, no. and so the wipes are good and they help us to feel a bit more comfortable around those those pets i'm wondering whether they'd work with um because the specialist um People dermatologists say that it's actually the saliva of the dogs or cats that are the allergenic component rather than the hair itself. Mm. So I wonder whether that, by just removing that, because cats especially groom themselves often, that might just remove some of those allergenic principles. That's very interesting. That is interesting, actually, that you say that. Could be helpful. So these are useful for cats as, as well? well? Rabbits That's right. as well? Rabbits as well. Guinea pigs? Yes. What about birds? Um, if you can catch a bird. <laughs> yeah. Birds have very yeah, yeah. A different, it's not it's Different not structure. Skin. Don't use yeah. them on your birds. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, Dr. Bob just loves to get his, get his hands on behavioral problems. If you've got a, a pet behaving badly, he'd love to hear about it and give you some advice on it. 49216216 is the number that you can ring. You're listening to Pet Chat and we have Dr. Bob who loves behavioural problems and Danny Boss is with us as well. 49216216 is the number for you to ring to get your question through to Dr. Bob and Denise has rung in from Maryville. Hello, Denise. You've got a question? Hello. Yes, I have. Um, we're thinking of buying one of those dog calming collars for a problem 
we have with our six-year-old golden retriever. And I just wondered if they really work. Um, it depends on what brand. There's a couple of good ones out there. Uh, you're using it mainly for storms? And well, we haven't bought it yet, no. Yep. She's, she's not really afraid of storms. She'll just come inside and sit near us if there's a storm. It's mostly um, for her barking. When we're playing ball with her, she'll bark when you throw the ball, she gets up to the ball and sometimes she'll bring it back but at other times she'll just stand there and bark at it the six or seven times before she'll put it, pick it up and bring it back. Um, and also when we throw the ball or when the ball's on the ground and she wants you to pick it up, she'll just stand there and bark and bark and bark and it's quite annoying. And we've tried coming inside when she stands there and looks at it and just barks and won't bring it to you we've tried just leaving her and coming inside but she doesn't seem to get the message we've tried saying no and she will for a little while and then it goes back to the barking um no other dogs in the yard just her no no just bonnie Mm. okay so most likely what it is is just that's the way she likes to play so yes. we have to modify that play yes. so that she's not actually getting rewarded for that barking. So if she just stands there and barks, just either turn side on and walk away or just lean forward and take the ball. Um, we need to interrupt barking very early in any situation. So whether they're barking at someone at the front door, you say, thank you, that's good, quiet now. And you use a treat or a toy or on lead to redirect their attention away from them being accidentally reinforced for that excitement type barking so the same with the ball you go out you play tug of war when they're playing tug of war they also can't bark as much they might grumble and groan and moan but they're not actually barking as much so redirect the attention so that she's not getting it for the the what she wants to do it's that you um, also give her different toys. Um, so if she's a, a single dog, 40 different toys by name. So the, the teddy bear, the, the polar bear, the cat, the, the, um, the woozle, the heffalump, and go and get that toy, find it. Um, don't just play with a single type object. And that way she'll be more interested and we need to exercise the brain as well as the body. So just a few short walks, keep her away from that single thing. So in that case, no, a calming collar is really going to do nothing. But certainly some of the calming collars will help a lot in the storm situation, in things where they're more scared of other dogs or other people, just to take the edge off their anxiety so they're more able to listen. So thank you very much, Denise. That's great. Thanks for your call, Denise. And Ken joins us from Brankston. And Ken has a Maltese cross. And you've got a question for Dr. Bob? Yes, I do. Um, We have a Maltese Shih Tzu cross, which... um it's actually my daughter's dog, but uh, like all kids, they grow up and they lose home and parents get stuck with the dog. 50% of the animals I see as a GP vet are in that situation, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, you know, he's 13 years old, so um, he's in his old age, he's getting a bit cranky. And um, at various times, if he jumps up on your lap and you go to pat him, if he's not in the mood, you'll get a nip. Um, also, if you, know, you touch him when he's not expecting it, the same thing happens. It's to the stage now where um, you know, we can't bath him. It's only my daughter who, when she comes home, she has to bath him. Is there anything, uh, any suggestions? 
I guess, Ken, what's really happening there is as he's getting older, it's not only that his brain is actually shrinking and not as big as it used to be, so he can't actually solve problems as well, but it's also that you're going to have arthritis coming into play, you're going to have kidney problems, you're going to have um, bowel problems and all sorts of things, I guess, basically, that the body just yeah goes downhill. So a Maltese that's 13 is really in that end stage sort of of life. Um, there certainly can be um, animals that can live till 16 or 17, but um, what I would be suggesting definitely is a trip to the vet to get uh, the vet to check out for any particular problems that might have caused this irritability type aggression to come to the fore. So it's really important that when you are allowing the animal onto your lap, um, I'd actually put a blanket on or on your lap first so you can actually sort of just tip the dog gently over onto the lounge if it gets a bit silly. The other thing, I'd be actually asking it to sit next to you on the lounge rather than actually on your lap. And you talk to it, you make it aware of you um, and say hello before you actually touch it. So it's like we say to kids, don't disturb a sleeping dog, don't go near a dog that's eating. So it's the same sort of thing. So again, as we get into dementia, our brains doesn't don't work as well. So it's like a, a very small child that we have to be going back to that nursemaid sort of role. So definitely a trip to the vet definitely a bit more careful around her, um, him when you're there and just making sure there's no medical problems that are contributing to that. There is a good diet called BD from Hills, which actually supports the brain by having antioxidants, increasing the blood flow to the brain, has some joint health products in it as well that reduce the, the aging changes, if you like. So hopefully that helps, Ken. Thank you for your call, Ken. 49216216. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Dr. Bob, behaviour or whatever, he'll answer it. 103.7, where you're listening to Pet Chat at 7 to 1. And Jill from East Maitland has rung in. Hello, Jill. Hello, how are you? Question for Dr. Bob? Um, well, I have two, if that's all right. Go um, for it. I have a little um, uh, Jack Russell cross. And uh, he's not two yet, and he's got this lump inside what, what you know, in human terms would be his knee. It's just a little hard lump, and he, he's it's obviously sore because he favours his leg, holds it up every so often. And um, yeah, I don't know whether to take him to the vet or whether it's just something that's going to get better in time or what. How long has it been there, Jill? Oh, only a um, couple of weeks. And has yeah. he been chasing balls or twisting or oh. turning? Yes, he tears around like a mad thing. That's right, normal Jack Russell. So, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, certainly that could be something to do with his um, cruciate if it's right next to the knee joint. Inside the knee joint, yes. Yeah, so I'd certainly take him down to the vet to get a check over of that to make sure there's no actual physical um, damage that's happened in that joint. Um, other lumps and bumps on the leg, usually they will, if it's a bit of a bruise, you'll see that. Because dog skin is slightly different from human skin, it comes out in a slightly different way. But it's always good to be going over your animal and seeing how things, uh, are, if they're all in the normal place. What's the second question? The second question is behavioural. Um, it's barking. I have a lot of problem with him barking at everything that moves. Yep. Um, and again, just Jack Russell's just love to be involved in everything that's happening around them. So whether that's the leaf that fell off the tree, yes. the people that arrived home next door, again, important to actually... Yes, he can bark once or twice, but say, okay, thank you for that. And that's just a whistle or a click or a clap just to interrupt. And he looks at you and you say, back over here, please. Or you throw a toy in a different direction. So it's just like small children again, interrupt and redirect. 
so that they're redirected towards something that is acceptable. So sometimes they'll listen to that for a few times and people often are are a bit bit excited when I use just a a squeak from a squeaky toy in the pouch when I'm at their place and and the squeak works and the dog looks at me and I say, yes, that'll work about two or three times. (laughs) Dogs are very intelligent. They have great problem-solving abilities and so they will actually go, yeah, to you and, and keep doing with what they're doing. So that's when you go to the next phase of treats or lead or holding the collar and redirecting towards something else. But it's often an indicator that they are just they've got to use that brain for something if you don't provide enough um entertainment if you like then they will use it for whatever purpose so we need to use their brain for good rather than evil (laughs) thanks for your call jill and we're joined now by gary from adamstown gary you've got a question about your cat yeah the wife's cat actually it's a white one it's indoor cat we only let it out through the day for an hour or so it's losing its uh, fur everywhere, and it's becoming a big problem. With in patches, Gary, or just oh, all over? When you just pat it, it just comes off. You know, it's it's not bally. It's got a good fur coat, but it, when you touch it and pat it and add it, that it leaves it on the furniture. Yeah, unfortunately, um, because we live in sort of a temperate climate, sometimes we get a, a, a distinct. Um, thickening of the coat in winter and then that um, um, thins out for summer. Sometimes it is, so golden retriever Labrador type people will know that they're just always losing coat. So it's really important to really lots of grooming, lots of hand stroking. You can get special grooming mitts that just thin out the coat a little bit and that just helps to reduce that. But certainly if it's coming out in patches, then you need to look at a possible anxiety problem because cats will not show that anxiety as often as dogs will and they'll actually over groom so like people that chew their nails oh yeah or uh, wash their hands too often Mm. so you can actually get cats that will lick themselves naked basically so just rip all of the fur out but if the coat is still good and it's just falling out excessively um, of course it would be tricky to get a cat to get vacuumed to get the fur off but (laughs) just a grooming mitt in your hand would be the best way and that's great contact time your familiar family aroma from your hand onto the cat the cat's aroma on you and it just helps that bond Okay. Great. Thanks, Gary. Great question, Gary, and thanks for joining us. And that brings us to the end of Pet Chat today. Thanks. Wonderful. Thanks, Dr. Bob. You'll be back with us next week. That's right. Pet Chat, and thanks, Danny Boss. Thank you, Dan- More Jane. More good things happening on the pet front in our region with Danny Boss next week on 2NURFM.